Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies and resources for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. And my guest today is Johanna Sophia. Now, Johanna has got a very varied career. After a music, film and writing career that saw her travel the globe, Johanna, who was raised in Germany, settled down in the United States and raised her children. When her kids were barely in their teens and she was almost 50, Johanna found herself lying on the floor, paralysed for what seemed an eternity after having experienced a stroke. She made the decision to change her life and began to focus on a regimen of proper sleep exercise and nutrition. Now, the lack of available vegan raw foods that fit her new strict but busy lifestyle forced her to make her own meals. And in 2013, Johanna's Raw Foods was born. Based in Clintondale in upstate New York, the company's product line includes a range of organic, gluten-free, grab-and-go, ready-to-eat, mix-and-match raw vegan snacks. Welcome to the show, Johanna. Hi, everybody. I am so excited to be here. And it's an honor to share with the vegan business world, which I think is experiencing the biggest explosion it could ever have hoped for right now globally. So this is such a great time to be part of this explosion. And I look forward to talking more about where we're going. Wonderful. Now, as we mentioned, you've had a very diverse career throughout the arts and you've, you're a professor, you've taught at Yale, at Columbia, you've run a solar company, uh, along with an educational centre on all things sustainable. Uh, so tell us a little bit, just a little bit of, about, because we were talking before and I loved what you said about uh, having that diversity is a good thing and how sometimes people are forced, you know, like, you know, to niche down and say, right, you've trained in law, you've got to be a lawyer. Um, whereas, you know, you've done quite the opposite. So talk to us a little bit about that um, before we go into telling us about how you started up Johanna's Raw Foods. Well, when I was young, it was always considered to be a flaw to be multi-talented. And, you know, jack of all trades, master of none was the saying. Today, I am so grateful, deeply grateful that I've had all these diverse experiences and successes in so many different areas of life. Um, that I can bring everything together. And with the big project that we'll be talking about a little bit later that I'm planning now, that all comes to fruition and it all serves me well to have all those experiences. Yes, I mean, my first career was writing songs, singing on street corners as a 16-year-old. (laughs) And then that merged into... Um, acting in movies and on stages and one woman shows, etc. and so forth. So I don't think we want to talk about all of that. But yes, there's this broad experience and having lived on three continents um, also inspires that broader knowledge that we need today. 
I love that. And particularly because often, you know, people think, oh, well, you're either in the arts or you're in business. But I love that we're seeing more people with that creative background, with that arts background, use those really important skills that can help to inform a business. Because today business is becoming our mission if we're doing it well. And of course, somebody who's coming out of the arts, I had my stumbling going into business, not learning, not knowing how business actually works. But that's the beauty of it. But in today's world, I think even the new rich are realizing that if you don't have a mission, you don't experience this a sense of purpose, a sense of gratitude gratification or sense of accomplishment really yeah I love that so now your story obviously of why you started Johanna's Raw Foods was pretty powerful you had a stroke and you decided to um, incorporate uh, raw foods into your life couldn't find and I get it you know particularly with with raw food you know you it can be quite time consuming because you've got to keep making it and it hasn't got the long shelf life so uh, I love that you created a business to fulfill a need can you tell us a bit about how did you begin with Johanna's Raw Foods were you kind of making stuff in your kitchen and selling at markets and because I know we'll talk about how you expanded but how did you in those beginning times like how did you go about just starting the whole thing particularly as a business yeah I'd like to take us back to that moment as I was lying on the floor And the bizarre thing was that I couldn't move anything. My mouth was actually wide open because the stroke started with a scream and everything was locked. So I was lying on the floor, couldn't move, but I was fully conscious. And I was saying to myself, get back into that body, make that body functional so that this can never, ever happen again. And then started the research. I was already organic, raised my kids plant-based with a little bit of egg and fish here and there, but basically, and that was the trigger there was that I need to find the most nutritious, the most delicious. I'm also, I'm a foodie. I love delicious food. You know, I had eaten at the best restaurants in Paris and Berlin and in Rome and so forth. So I love delicious food. So I had to, when I realized that that what I was looking for is really fresh, raw, organic plants that are the most invigorating and um, nutritious foods you could find, then I still had to make those delicious because I couldn't just crunch on a broccoli. You know why I'm laughing. You know, I told you my partner, Tracy, is very high raw. She might be watching this. She's in the other room. And um, she does just that. Like, she's the worst advertisement <laughs> for raw food. No, no, don't apologize. She's the worst advertisement for, for raw food. Like, she will literally open the fridge and eat raw broccoli and raw cauliflower. And when we had family st- from the UK come over and stay, I said, ignore what she's eating. And I took them to, like, you know, the pizza plate, vegan pizza places, the vegan burger because I didn't want them to think that if you're vegan, that's all you eat. So that's why I'm laughing. But yeah, Carol, right. I completely agree with you. It needs to be delicious. <laughs> so the, the proverbial carrot sticks and celery, celery, right, um, just didn't work for me. I knew that. So I immediately started saying to myself, all the delicious foods, why not recreate them and the flavors and the spices 
in raw and we already had dehydrators. That was something that was established. Victoria Butenko and her whole family had already gone raw and had written about it, how they created all these cakes and desserts. And so I started pretty much immediately making these chocolate mousses because chocolate mousse was one of my total weaknesses. And, um, and at the time, there wasn't even raw cacao. It was it was carob, which was not really my favorite. Mm. But you know, as soon as cacao was available, of course, that was the switch. But yeah, and then you could make bread, you could make crackers, you could make pies, you could make cakes, you could make um, pates. You could, you know. And so I just developed all these things that you could keep either frozen because like you said, you know, we can't just cook every day for hours or, or prepare food and, you know, uncooked food. <laughs> if you want to make these mixes. So I learned how to, and, and, and breads, you can, you know, you make them, you freeze them and then you just put them in the dehydrator for a couple of minutes to thaw out and you have your raw bread. So I started experimenting with those things and the shelf life was still an issue. So for shelf life, you really need to like, again, either freeze or, or dehydrate to a crisp so that shelf stability can be achieved. But just to put it in here right away, all my products are have a nine month shelf life, either in the freezer or on the shelf in a store. Now, most stores don't have 90 degrees at any time. So, you know, that would not be very good even for the dehydrated products, but yeah, they have a long shelf life. And that is because as a busy person, as a creator, as a, I mean, when I started, I was still working for an international law firm also as a multi-language translator, because I, I can do five languages. So I was, I was always on the run um, and, you know, making the money as a consultant there so that I could get my kids to private school or travel a lot with them, et cetera. So that's, that's how really how Johanna's raw foods happened that I needed to have delicious and I needed to have variety. And I wanted to recreate and demonstrate that you could recreate all these awesome foods and a whole plate full of different delicious things um, for meals um, in the raw. Great. So how did you turn it into a business? Yeah, that was actually an interesting process. My very first, I just hardly talk about it ever, but my very first experiment with that was to create cranny lion crackers. And that was crackers that contained fresh dandelions and cranberries and were spicy with cayenne. Very delicious concept. But of course, where in the world do you get cran cranberries and dandelions year round, you know, that are fresh and wild? So I actually did sell to a couple of stores and the kids were young, just sort of still middle schoolers and were making these. And we made, so we made cranny lion crackers and we made apple oat cookies. Um, and those sold in like two or three stores. But yeah, that never really became a business model and there was no investment of any kind. This was just done at home while I was also building the solar company. So we started really getting into the business when we were in Saratoga Springs and a friend of mine said, you need to 
get a real factory and get the products um, licensed. You need to get the the food license, the FDA approval, the proper labels, the ingredients, and the the nutrient description. There are words for all of these things, um, <laughs> but. For that, I didn't need an investor. And so I was on the runaround um, looking for investors and somebody, a relative in Germany said, you know, I know this guy who is really ill and who could really use your help to get out of his high blood pressure and inflammatory situations, et cetera. But, and he's ultra rich for a German. Um, <laughs> so talk to him. So I met him at a hotel in New York City and he said, yeah, I can do this. You know, how about we start with, you know, you teaching me some things and I'll invest 5,000 here, 10,000 there. And I thought, oh, good. Now we can get really going. <laughs> then I had a meeting with a startup attorney because I had worked with attorneys. So I had attorney friends and she was a startup business attorney. And I showed her the product line that by that time existed. And she said, this is fabulous, Johanna, but do not start this without a half million in the bank because you can't succeed. And I said, oh, great. Now I just have somebody who can give me 5,000 here and 10,000 here. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I did not really ponder too long. I just said, we're going to do it anyway. So the kids and I moved into this former diner and, you know, we still have pictures of it and transformed it into got the FDA approval, the inspections and um, found a label printer in China and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there it was on 2000 in the bank or not even that. And people sort of saying, okay, I can give you a thousand. I can give you a little bit. <laughs> and then my German investor coming in, and that's how we literally got to being in 200 stores. Wow. We just I love that. I love that you did that in a scrappy way and that you weren't put off by the startup attorney saying, oh, you need at least half a million to even get going. So how did you get into those stores, uh, Johanna? So you'd made the, you'd made the products yourself. Um, you moved, as you say, into the dining side, making the products. How did you get into those 200 stores? Well, there's two avenues that I took. One was to get our first distributors. And there were smaller, more regional distributors. We had two. And the second one was just making long lists of all the health food stores up and down the East Coast that we could possibly reach by ourselves and calling and saying, would you, stick our, would you take our startup box? You know, it was like just one case of each of the seven products. And many people wanted the startup box. It was a good price. It was, you know, and I would literally, and my kids too, we would be driving up and down. That's why I drove all the way up to Maine and all the way down to Virginia, you know, bringing my startup box. You know, That's how wow. we started. So, that's and, amazing. And what challenge, because you started the company, I believe in 2013. So yeah. this was sort of just before kind of vegan started to really kind of take off in the media. I think it was yes. maybe around 2014 that it started. So what kind of challenges did you face? And I'm curious, because it was interesting, you said the distributors wanted the startup box. How did you pitch it to uh, them? Because I can imagine if you said, oh, I've got this raw vegan item that they might, you know, I mean, what were their reactions? So talk the us stores wanted the startup box. The distributors yeah. got the product by the pallets. You know, for, right. for distributors, you have like thousands of 
little units on in cases and case boxes that you specially have designed and that gets tied onto a pallet and the truck comes and picks up your pallet for the gotcha. distributor and the distributor so yeah. to the stores. But our startup box was to go directly to stores because that was a much better margin. And then some of them could be switched over to then ordering from the distributors instead of from directly from us. And, um, and yeah, and, the bottom line really was how we could survive as long as we did was really because we had so many direct sales, direct to stores and direct to individuals. Because then we got the big, the second largest distributor in the country, Kehi, for, for natural foods, that is. And, you know, I, I will never forget, I was literally, I was jogging between the house we had rented and the factory and this big truck pulled and stopped the brakes screeching and said, where is that Johanna's raw foods? Place? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this big truck is picking up our products. And that was, that was Kehi. But that also ruined us because these large distributors pay very small amounts because they double the price to the stores and the stores double the price to the customer. So, when you have high quality organic ingredients and you don't have the storage space for thousands of pounds of everything, my apologies, that's an outside noise. Um, then, um, yeah, you, you are kind of between a rock and a hard place and you're being throttled because you don't have the money to buy more ingredients in larger amounts, which you need for, for the larger demands. And, <laughs> Yeah, you want to fill those orders, but you can't because you don't you you run out of cash flow. And of course, as a business person, I'm sure you've heard this very often that when you run out of cash flow and then Whole Foods came and you know and invited me to the head offices in, in in Boston and I was sitting there and we were making all these plans and I was making an extra developing an extra burrito type thing for them and but all without a dime. It's expected, I'm expected to have the resources to, to provide huge amounts of, amounts of samples and you know, do all this for free so that they then can usher us into the stores. And when you don't know that's how the food industry works, you just like happily walk in there, oh yeah, you know, Whole Foods wants us, Katie wants us. It's just so great. You know, we're going mainstream, but you don't have the resources to actually pull through. And you get paid late as well, I believe, as well. It's like you've got to wait and sometimes it can be three months or more what? before you even get paid, which is is can be can be tricky. That's that's an interesting one. I think it's it's, it's great. I appreciate you sharing that, Jenna, because I think a lot of people do kind of go, oh, my God, yay, we're going mainstream, but they're not realizing the margins, um, you know, and that you're, you end up can sometimes end up you know, making very little profit when you're going that route. And it's interesting that the direct-to-sale um, route has been successful for you. And I think we've seen a lot of that during the, you know, 2020 and the whole COVID thing. A lot of uh, businesses have pivoted to that direct-to-consumer where obviously the, the profit margins are are greater. I just want to take you back out, just out of curiosity, it was just interesting that the stores and the distributors were willing to take on a raw vegan product. And I'm curious about how you kind of 
pitched that and, and got their interest in the first place? Because, I mean, I noticed certainly your packaging is beautiful. It's very colorful because often, like you say, when you think of raw food, you know, although veganism has become kind of, you know, a bit more trendy and people are like, you know, starting to associate vegan with, you know, all the things they love, um, you know, just vegan versions of. But when you say raw vegan, you know, people do kind of go to, like you say, the raw broccoli stem and what have you. So just tell us how you actually pitch to the stores to get them excited enough to even take the products in the first place very simple delicious raw additions to any diet or delicious highly nutritious additions to any diet sometimes you don't even need the word raw in there it's just delicious nutritious additions to any diet and I would have literally people and please listeners don't cringe you know tell me, oh, the kale and parsley pesto on my steak, it's awesome. And I would say, great. At least you're getting some good nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you didn't necessarily even use the word raw or even use the word vegan when initially pitching. That's interesting. Yes. yes. Just, just to get because, your foot I mean, the it. ones who are already looking for vegan know that's what it is. I mean, it's on the packaging. And the ones who are not, who would... It's also, I mean, the concept for our product line was always grab and go, ready to eat, mix and match for busy people, delicious raw additions or delicious additions to any diet. So, and the delicious was important. And the fact that it was ready to eat, you could just grab it and take a spoon or, or pick a piece and put it in your mouth. You didn't need to do anything. Um, to make that work I love that yeah I think that's important there's a whole big kind of topic around you know do you use the word raw or do you use the word vegan so you use it on the packaging um so that people who are raw who are vegan can see it but you're not necessarily kind of um broadcasting it in, mm -hmm. in the very first instance when you're talking to say a distributor or a store wonderful wonderful so in terms of we've talked about some of the challenges when you were starting out and and you know getting into those stores what are some of the challenges that you're having to deal with right now because obviously 2020 even 2021 we're just over halfway and it things pretty challenging still um what, what are your main challenges at the moment uh Johanna well now I have to tell you the story of what happened. We actually had yeah. to close the factory when the cash flow dried up. And when we had no way of, like he was saying, we had no way of buying more ingredients. And Whole Foods was dragging their feet. Yeah, you know, next month, next month. And then we're meeting that. Da, 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 da. We couldn't pay the rent. We couldn't buy ingredients. And we just had to close. That was a very, very hard thing for me to go through. But of course, my business coach and everybody else is saying, you know, you had to go through that to learn what food business, what the food industry is really about. And then I met with um, food financing brokers like um, like my financing broker, Grant Ferrier out of um, San Diego and um, Tara Johnson out of Michigan. She started Tara's um Tara's way, you know, of course, I don't do way, but the way she built that company was fascinating and so forth. And they were supportive and they were explaining to me how the food industry really works today. And that's how I learned that now what I'm doing is, and that's why it's exciting we're speaking right now, I just 
am in the process of buying a large piece of land. I've got the architects and the engineers and the distributors and the um, the CFO and the treasurer and everybody together to build a new factory. And this time we're actually building our own building and it's a sustainable building that heats and cools itself. Of course, we still need extra freezing room, et cetera. So, but it has a solar roof and entire solar roof so that, um, so we're doing it all. So the next level is to make the products in an environment that actually carries the mission into all the other elements that go with food production. Wow. So that's, that's what's happening now. And it's incredibly exciting and wonderful how it's coming together. Yes, we don't have all the 7 million in the, in the bank yet, but that's, that's what it is. And now I know so much more about how the world crumbles in terms of the food production. And, you know, when, when Grant Ferry told me that, you know, Johanna, food, new food products have a break-even date of five years in. So until you get to five years, you're pumping in, you're pumping in, you're pumping in investments. And it, ha it has a profit um, time span typically at seven years, between seven and 10 years, he actually said. So that's how crazy the food industry is. Wow. So you're in it for the long haul. Right. You're in it for the long haul, but you're also creating a mixed media industry, so to speak. That's what we're doing. In this building, we also have apartments that are sort of kind of separate, but are benefiting from the same bio um, construction. And we have an academy teaching, again, you know, coming from my coaching, teaching raw chef and sustainable life coach. So the people who are learning with us it's a whole structured program. We'll be learning how to be raw chefs in all sorts of situations and teach others how to switch, for example, their corporate kitchens into more sustainable and healthier lifestyles, et cetera. That's amazing. So you're building this whole new factory. So you'll be creating the products there yourself. How is that then going to work? Into Are you going to continue to mainly sell direct to the public through your online store or are you going to try and go back to like Whole Foods or some of the, the stores, but with all that knowledge in place to both. and capital. Mm -hmm. Yes, both, definitely both, but focusing on um, our, our, the business plan prescribes that we create a lot of members and the members will have plans to order X amount of food per month and they can mix and match differently each month. But if we have a thousand members who are ordering on a monthly sustaining basis, then we have, of course, this direct income stream that is secure. And then we can also do direct stores. We will have our own couple of trucks, but we will also be working with distributors and um, and collaborate. Yeah. So, so it's interesting you're talking about a membership model. So is that like a subscription? So yeah. like people mm -hmm. pay a monthly fee and then they get a certain amount. And Because I, I think you've got different levels. I think I, I looked on your website and you're, you're selling some of your products at the moment and there's different kind of memberships. So they each get either more products or does that in, include some, does one of the memberships include the coaching? So I think it's interesting that you've added the coaching to the kind of. In the business plan for the main, for the new factory, 
coaching is not included. It's the product is a very strict because for the financing that would become too muddy. So it is the business plan is strictly designed on revenue from the product sales. And it evens out because we do direct to customer as well as some distribute distributor sales so that, you know, the margins here are large and the margins there are smaller. And when you put them all together, you have an average margin that works. That's, that's the business model. And then the, my coaching um, stays outside of that factory life. Gotcha. So, I do, I do life coaching and health coaching and that is, yeah, it's, it's a different business model that is more personalized. Yeah. But it's interesting because they kind of complement one another. Obviously, because if you're coaching someone, you could say to them, and by the way, here's some products and vice versa. If people are buying products and they know about your coaching, uh, some might want to do that. So in terms of can people like, is it membership or subscription only, or can people buy one-off products here and there as well? Um, I'm not quite Yes. I mean, currently people can just private order, but they have to know that this is not a um, this is like a like a private gift kind of, you know, give me a donation, I give you a gift kind of order at the moment because I don't have a factory. I don't have a kitchen that allows for that. So as soon as the commercial kitchen is back in place, it will be the that membership situation and there will be a store that is like a, a juice bar, a smoothie bar, et cetera, in the building where people can come and get things. So there will be a possibility to buy smaller amounts. However, for the shipping, there is a there is a limit how small you can get. Otherwise, it just gets too so, right. So it's got to be a minimum order. But I guess what I'm asking is, like, can people buy? Like, do they have to be locked into a subscription only model to buy from your website, or can they go to your website and buy a one off as long as they put a minimum order in, but without necessarily committing to buying something every single month? Oh, I'm pretty sure that that will be an option, but the pricing will be higher. Yeah, gotcha. Interesting. It's an interesting model. I think we're seeing more of that happening now. I know I interviewed someone else, um, well, a few people on the show who are doing that similar model. So people can buy a one-off, but also there's that kind of monthly um, option as well. I think we're seeing that growing. So in terms of the, so in terms of the funding of the business, so you said you've self-funded, you had some small investors and now you're with the finance broker. So that's on a, is that on like a loan basis, um, like the funding or how is it going to be funded to date? Um, venture capital. Um, venture capital. Um, I have two, two um, finance brokers. The other one is um, Leland Lehrman of, of Fund Balance is his company organization so both of them have experience in funding organic sustainable um, product lines and um, so we're, we're putting together venture capital to we have a we're talking to a couple of people who could just do a one-off because they have it but it's not in the bank yet so I don't want to talk about yeah, yeah, the arts so course, yeah. <laughs> until it is there yeah so yeah no we're looking for venture capital and the business plan is such that they will get their money back in five years and then some, but they can also feel that they want to keep growing this project and be part of it. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's, a, it's a mission. 
Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. And I love it. And I love that you're kind of making raw food sexy, dare I say, you know, so, do you know what I mean? You're kind of you're you're doing what I think, I guess, some of the, you know, the beyond meats and the, all these big, you know, plant based companies are kind of making veganism exciting. And I think you're right. kind of making raw veganism exciting, um, which I, I certainly I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Did you design those original like packets yourself? Like the, um, the I actually I had a little bit of an idea, but then I had a really good designer who put it all together. Nice, because I think that's another one that I hear that's important. Particularly, you know, people want to, you know, they're attracted. Obviously, we're very visual, um, and yeah, I, I love that they're they're very colourful and uh, you know they draw the eye. So yeah, I was just curious about that. Who yeah. would you say is your main demographic um, in terms of? Um, the business just you know the kind of people that buy are they mainly vegans or vegetarians are there any busy people graphics mm -hmm. busy people people right. who are busy who need something fast busy i mean i should maybe say busy educated people um who need who are aware that they need to do better for their body you know who go and work out who go on hikes because you can take these dried products, you know, in your backpack. They're very light, incredibly dense in nutrition. So um, people who are fitness oriented, people who are business um, people who are in, in corporate situations, but do want to get or stay healthy. And yeah, so that, those are the demographics. But of course, there is so much in between that I would never have thought you know, I get these letters from from little old ladies like me <laughs> <laughs> who will say, Johanna, you saved my life. You know, I just hated going healthy and all the desserts were just like tasted like cardboard. I have this one. <laughs> you know, until I found yours <laughs> and they are so delicious. So that, those kind of things, of course, you know, make my life. Yeah. Smile. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Um, so just finally, um, Johanna, what uh, well, you've kind of touched on this already, but I was gonna ask you about any kind of lessons, key lessons that you've learned that you'd like to share. I think you've kind of shared some of that, particularly around knowing about the food business and, and what's involved. Um, but anything else you would like to share and also anything you'd like to share um for you know about your plans for the future. I know again you've touched on that, but anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, of course, catchphrases are really important. First raw fast food was one of our catchphrases. We are the first raw fast food. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, that you can just grab and go anytime, anywhere. Um, another thing that we're modeling ourselves a little bit on Amy's Kitchen. Oh, yes. Yeah. And got some of her pea soup in the cupboard. <laughs> So, um, and Amy's, of course, now also has restaurants, grab-and-go restaurants, So, and it has grown into a billion-dollar business. So Amy's in the raw kind of as a business model is, is that keeping the integrity, keeping the wholesomeness, keeping the flavorfulness, and I love spices and all of that. So, and I want young business-minded people to understand that in the food industry, you can only succeed today if you can scale, meaning if you can sell 
by the thousands or hundreds of thousands of units, anything small. And I've seen so many come and go in these last five years. It's incredible. And it's kind of sad. And even people who are really loved like Lydia's organics and they've just disappeared because we haven't learned or I now have learned that the world is what it is. There are eight corporations controlling the food market worldwide. Eight. If you don't understand that and if you want to get in there, you have to know that and you have to know how to balance your, I mean, for example, I say in my promotion that all my foods are based on American mainstream flavors. Oh, nice. You know, I have a cashew dream cheese. I have a chocolate mousse. I have truffles. I have crackers, you know, crackers and cheese, of course, etc. So those are items that I think matter to make things both accessible and exotic enough for people to be interested. I love that. I love that. Are you going to be shipping? Are you starting locally within the US? Um, and do you plan to go global? Well, of course, that is always the goal. I have dear friends in in Germany who have launched um, Alnatura. Um, uh, actually, they were classmates <laughs> of my my sisters, really, but schoolmates, and they were. Um, they developed this whole product line like the, um, it sounds really tacky, but the Walmart for health food, kind of the, the, the cheap or accessible versions of organic foods. And now they have stores all over Europe. And so, yes, that is a business model that should, um, that I have in mind as well. So this can grow because, Let's just go a little bit more global. I mean, and I have to say to that, you know, I'm a professor. My big goal after the factory is established is actually to build a university on the same land. It's a big piece of land. And in that university, teach the new lifestyle that we all need to get into. Because face it, our financial system is going to collapse one way or another. Or our ecosystem, one before the other, is going to happen in our lifetime you and i we got a bunch of decades to go so because we keep ourselves in good shape <laughs> my personal trainer was here this morning i'm still feeling it oh <laughs> um but yeah in order to create that new world we need to think big we need to think global so yes of course we want to expand but not without training the people who are expanding us so that they are well-equipped and on the same path. So it, it cannot happen without a structure and without keeping that structure relatively tight. So yeah, those, those are my thoughts for 
Wow. expansion that's amazing and I, I was asking purely out, partly purely out of selfishness as well I'm thinking the chocolate mousse sounds great oh, we will be one of your first customers if you make your products arrive in Australia but look I love that you've shared all this uh, you know Johanna the fact that you know like you say you're a professor you've got the academic background the creative the artistic background you've gone through this business journey where you had to open and then close and now you've got these wonderful plans so I think it's been really really helpful for people to know and I hope a lot of people watching or listening will be inspired uh, by by what you're doing so I really appreciate you joining us so everybody please do check out Johanna's Raw Foods if you're watching the this video then the uh, URL is scrolling along the bottom of your screen it's johannasrawfoods.com and if you're listening to the audio version of this that link will be on the show notes page for this episode Johanna thank you so much for joining me it's been a real pleasure thank you so much for having me so that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. If you like the show, please give it a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on as it helps to get it seen by more people. There are more free resources on the veganbusinessmedia.com website to help you in your quest to build and sustain a successful business. And if you'd like to work with me personally on promoting and growing your vegan business or brand, you'll find details on how to do this on the website at veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the Work With Me menu link. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now. Thank you.